Hello, everyone, and welcome to Words of Wellness, the podcast where we consider the ways people think, speak, and write about wellness. I'm Daniel Anderson, and we're coming to you from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Today, we're going to be talking about social media and wellness, and I have four guests with me, and I will hand over the microphones and let them introduce themselves. Hey, I'm uh, Jake. I'm Elise. I'm Claire. And I'm Aria. So I'm excited about our topic today because social media is such an integral part of everyone's life. But when it comes to wellness, I think there are some concerns. So what are some of the major critiques or concerns of social media when it comes to wellness? Yeah, I mean, we think about how the the pace of our society is speeding up rapidly and we always have an influx of different sort of impressions that society is making on us with this constant social media feed that we're getting. Um, So I think it can... One, take away from the originality of thought, and two, uh, just always keep our minds reeling, which uh, will take away from time that we can give to ourselves to rest and take a deep breath and form our own opinions about things. Yeah, I think another thing to add to that is social media really feeds into our natural inclination to like compare ourselves to things. There's just always so much and so many people you can look at, like pretty much an unlimited amount on social media. Also, it's like the big the big debate between whether social media like can help or harm your wellness obviously there's like stuff like there's so many resources and like just like content on social media that like can either make you feel really good or really bad so it's definitely a stark contrast between that and what you can get from just scrolling on a page yeah and i think it's really easy to create like a false showcase on social media so you can portray things about yourself or other people that may not be true and other people could buy into it so i think that just adds into the people comparing themselves. I agree. I feel like there's two aspects of this comparison. One of the tenets of wellness, I think, is to not get stuck on comparisons because you'll never win that game. The other thing is this best life false impression that comes through on social media. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like in many ways, wellness is prompting us to have aspirations to think positively and you know present our best self but social media is critiqued for that because people are only showing the highlights yeah i mean like i feel like one of the like main things like that can be talked about for like showing like a false life on like social media is like apps like facetune and stuff and that also goes with like appearance comparing where it's like you see someone you're like oh my gosh like i'm so ugly compared to this person but like they could have completely changed their face and stuff It just creates a very, like, false narrative and, like, no one's really going to post or, I mean, not no one, but not many people are going to post about, like, their bad days and stuff on social media. Like, no one's going to post when they're, like, sick in bed. Like, everyone's going to post, like, oh, I'm at the beach with, like, all my friends. Like, Mm -hmm. look at how cool this is. And nothing's wrong with that, but it's, like, very important to be, like, aware of this isn't real life necessarily. Like, this isn't what it's all about. This isn't, like, comparing my life. Like, oh, well, I am sick in bed and these people are at the beach. Like fear of missing out, all of that stuff. It's definitely like a very like heavy loaded thing. So much to like go into it that. Yeah, I think social media really lacks dimensions. I think it's pretty shallow in the way that it portrays people's lives, which is kind of the whole point. You can't really use social media to replace real life interaction, which I think people try to do. And then that's where a lot of unwellness comes from. And uh, because you can't see the full dimension of a person on social media. And like, I wouldn't post all of my life on social media. And I don't think it's you need to expect people to um, in order to relate to them. So I understand why people only show their good days, but mm-hmm. I think people just need to keep in mind that that really is only 10% in, on the surface. 
Right. I think it's important to both take into the drawbacks of social media, but also put yourself in the shoes of the people who might have created social media. It's like, think about what they were thinking at the time. They were focusing on the possibility that social media could connect people and like mutually encourage people. So I think if you treat it as that, and you got to think about how the society is treating it and also how the individual is treating it, because if the individual is using a face filter and only posting pictures on the very best days and using all these sorts of different things to kind of wash their lives to make it seem something better than it is, I think that's a pretty selfish use of, of the platform. And uh, I think that strays completely from the original possible intention um, that the creators of these platforms were hoping for. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it completely lies in the hands of the person using it and also perceiving it. Um, for me, social media is... It obviously has two sides, but one of the sides is being able to interact with my family and um, just relatives overseas. So talking to my grandparents over video calls since they don't live in the country and also just staying connected with people I don't see on the daily. I see it very as a very positive thing in my life and also I'm very grateful for it because if it wasn't existing, then I'd miss out on the aspect of life. So. Yeah, two very different sides. So are we being too broad when we use the term social media then? Because I'm hearing two or three different modes of interaction on social media. Arya, you just mentioned one that's linked up with connection. All of you are talking about social media as a means of connecting. And Jake, I think you're right. The original inventors of Twitter were trying to help people locate each other by giving handles and tweeting at each other. So this connective mode, and then there's other modes. How, how can we get more fine-grained when we talk about social media? Well, I feel like there's definitely, like, different genres of, like, social media apps and websites. Like, there's Instagram where you post pictures, and, like, obviously you can, like, talk to people and connect on that. But then there's, like, Twitter and Snapchat where it's more, like, texting, talking, like, communicating, not just, like, showing and, like, portraying. I mean, like, it both both different sides of it can like include aspects from each, but like it's definitely, definitely like broad, very broad. We need to like categorize it a bit. I think it's content versus connection and yeah. often, often the lines blurred, but you got your apps like TikTok where I feel at least that rarely people are, have TikTok as a source of putting out, uh, content that they're producing and rather it's it's the taking in and obviously yeah. the content's got to come from somewhere but I feel like apps like Snapchat or even iMessages if you'd uh, consider that in the social media realm those are more for connection I have those to connect with friends that I haven't seen in a while friends from different states family from different states um, so yeah I think those could be the two broad categories I think there's like an intersection too which is like LinkedIn now feel like it's kind of straying into social media because people post about you know their job updates or life updates but also very random things so I feel like that's kind of trudging into an intersection of connection and content. I've heard that LinkedIn is replacing resumes in many ways or LinkedIn is now a primary means of job searching interacting networking so that makes me think of this connection there's a theory in rhetoric about genres, that genres aren't just containers that have categories. So there's a hero and an anti-hero. The genres actually are devices that achieve ends. So genres are linked to action. A genre, like a resume, for instance, the action of a resume is to get a job. 
It's not just you need bullet points. The main thing is the outcome of it. So I like where you're going with the idea of genres. What are some of the actions? We've talked about connecting. Are there other actions? What are we trying to achieve? Can we come up with a list? Well, like the videos we, we produced in class, um, those were could be falling into the uh, content genre. But I think there's this subcategory of some sort of a wellness discourse community or yeah discourse community and it falls in the lines of these self-help self-help books and other sorts of uh, media that are promoting this sense of all right look look after yourself it's almost like a life coach kind of genre which is kind of cool to pay attention to yeah i also think social media is great for showing us people's lives that we otherwise wouldn't see and like really broadening our perspectives on those things because you get such an intimate view of what people do on like a day-to-day basis if they make like a day in my life video and stuff like that and how they promote wellness in their own ways whether it be through exercise or meditation or other things like that yeah and i feel like on these posts and whatnot like you can kind of generate a community like either in the comments or just like who you share that post with i feel like you can create like a lot of discourse like between that and also like help to foster new ideas at least from what we're posting about like mental health and like just wellness in general, I feel like that definitely can like create a community like that can have a positive impact on each other from these posts. And especially post COVID, I think we've all had to relearn some things like going back into social settings and learning how to take care of ourselves. So I think social media has had a huge impact on how people are able to handle their mental health and also um, focus on the positives that's come out of all the negative years they've had. And, like, also I feel like it's super interesting to think about how, like, social media completely impacted, like, the pandemic. Thinking about, like, 100 years ago when there if there was, like, a pandemic or something, like, there was nothing to, like, keep people connected. And, like, obviously, like, we were still super isolated, but, like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have social media to keep up with my friends. Like, I feel like it was a very authentic time on social media during the pandemic, which I feel like helped to grow a lot of relationships through that aspect in a way. So I feel like we're starting to talk about some of the positives, the benefits of social media, connection we've listed. I like that you're linking it to challenging times, which is counterintuitive almost if we're talking yeah. about the problems of social media and how it mediates us from real contact, but we're also seeing it as a solution. Is that just an inherent tension in social media? It's always going to be that way? I feel like it is when times are generally pretty bad for everyone on social media like everyone's going to connect through that it is like super counterintuitive because like when things are like totally fine in the world like everyone's just like doing their thing not like really connecting but then it gives us a reason to connect with each other online when we can't in person and like we can't we don't feel like comfortable talking to others in person about it so we go to social media for that i feel like it's super interesting to like observe yeah, another interesting aspect of social media is like the like anonymous part of it. Oh, yeah. um, there's obviously certain apps that promote that, kind of like Reddit and stuff like that, where everyone's pretty much anonymous. And then you can also be anonymous in to certain degrees on the other apps as well. So I think that being able to be your most authentic self and kind of seek out opinions of people without actually having to tell who you are is a very unique thing that social media presents. Um, kind of like Claire said, like 100 years ago, you know, you wouldn't be able to talk to someone in a pandemic and you also wouldn't be able to ask these questions or seek advice um, anonymously, I think. Mm -hmm. But then also there's like the other flip side to the anonymous where it's like, 
when you're anonymous behind a screen, you can say anything. Like, mm -hmm. you can be as mean as you want. Like, you can just, like, be a troll. Mm -hmm. It's definitely all very user-dependent. I agree. Um, I think think we got to put it in perspective, too, and think about, yes, in the time of the pandemic, it might have been the sole, um, our sole source of, like, being in a social situation. But I think we need to put it in this um, category of this is a tool for social connection. It's not... Yeah the main thing it can definitely complement our social interactions but i think we have to be careful that we don't stray too far away from how things have been for the entirety of human history um, maybe we can adapt to something new but i think there's there's something to holding on to um, how it has been um, using social media as a good and beneficial tool but not not the only yeah i like the word tool that's like a good word for it mm -hmm. So if we're using this tool metaphor for social media, let's break it down a little bit more. Hammers, screwdrivers, pliers. What are the tactics? What are some strategies that we could actually nail down for how to interact on social media? Or not how to interact, but how to address this tension. I'm hearing that social media both takes us away from authenticity, but also allows us to be authentic. It disconnects us and it connects us. So how do we navigate that? What are some strategies for that? I think um, kind of like Jake said, there's a, a line between content and connection. And I think the problem that a lot of people run into on social media is like overconsumption of content. Um, like when you keep on scrolling on TikTok or something. And um, that's kind of one way that social media is not a tool that's enhancing our life. It's, it's definitely detracting. So I think recognizing that and uh, trying to avoid the constant scrolling kind of mindset is one thing we can try to do. Also do you think about the the examples that me and Arya presented about staying connected like those are already formed relationships. I don't think we can use social media as a tool to build relationships off of solely because you go back to whatever Aristotle said just about the three parts of friendship. It's like one could be utility, one's mutual enjoyment and one's striving towards uh, just a similar goal and so you think about the niche so social media platforms like LinkedIn like Reddit um, like these things that are focused on something other than yourself whereas I think or I feel like an in Instagram whereas you can get your news on Instagram you can stay connected with people that you love and people that you already have um, previous relationships with those are the good things but I feel like most of it is producing content about yourself and that self kind of promotion doesn't fall anywhere in that formula for creating friendships and so I think it leads us to some somewhat of a fake connection which is I think a danger to look out for yeah I think it's important to not fall into the trap of how commercialized social media is a lot of people now use it as their sole source of income and their sole benefit or like their sole purpose of posting content is to make money so um, someone who's leading a normal life like a college student can't really fall into the life of some influencer, you know, in a big city who's totally leading a separate, you know, lifestyle. So I think it's very important that you keep clear that it's a very false narrative almost. Um, back to what Jake said about like maintaining friendships they already had outside of social media. I feel like that is like generally pretty true, but also like I like couldn't even tell you like the amount of friends that like I had no clue who they are. And then like we found each other on social media, just like a mutual post or something. We just started talking and it turns out like maybe we had like one or two mutual friends and I would have never connected with them if I hadn't found them through social media. And like, it's like people that I'm very close with nowadays. 
I feel like it's definitely how someone goes about it individually. Like it's very different for everyone, but I feel like it's so interesting to think like, I wouldn't know like a good amount of people in my life existed if it wasn't for social media. And that's so weird to think about. I think um, hearing be deliberate is a good strategy. It might be that you need to connect with people mm -hmm. there and it might be someone else just needs this to facilitate existing connections and you just have to pay close attention to what's going on. One of the big challenges, if you study app design, social media, you realize that the people building the platforms, even though they might want to promote communication, follow a bunch of strategies to try to keep you plugged in, to keep you addicted, keep you swiping. So oh, yeah. the, there's a, a lot of studies have been done that there's a deliberate effort to make you stay on that phone and, and stay clicking. So is there a way in which this discussion of social media actually overlaps with a conversation about digital literacy more broadly? Uh, yeah, I think one way we could think about this is how it feels when you take a break from social media. Um, me personally, like I don't have TikTok anymore. I used to have it, but I know when I deleted it at first, like I would literally instinctually go to the place on my phone that it was when I felt bored and like it wasn't there anymore, but I s still thought the app was there. It was, so it was a very weird um, feeling. And that's when I realized like it was definitely a part of my brain that was like seeking that constant um, stimulation. Uh, so that was interesting for me to feel. I don't know if you guys have ever taken a break from social media or how that felt. Oh yeah. like. When I was like a kid, I'd go to camp in the summer and it was like a two week long camp. And like, of course, they're like no phones allowed. And I remember how weird it was when I would get my phone back, like at the end of camp, like a parent's like, me up, here's the phone. I would look at the screen and it would just feel like so alien and weird to look at. So I was just so used to being completely like just unplugged and connected with like the world and everyone around me like that during camp and going back on my phone, it just feels very fabricated like a very like false thing to have in front of your face like it's very weird like even just like looking at a screen after not looking at a screen for so long it's like and I feel like that my body can recognize that means that it's not completely natural I mean like obviously it's not natural it's like technology mm -hmm. but you know it's very weird an experience to have after like being in the woods for so long and then looking at a phone I've heard a couple other similar strategies put your phone in the other room Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to get some work done and you know you really need to focus, don't have your phone nearby. Some people will say, get a, a an analog alarm clock. Just get an alarm clock and put it by your bed and leave your phone somewhere else. So you just kind of remove that temptation. The other day, following someone's advice, I turned on the grayscale effect on my phone. And it turns out that does make you want to click on it less because it's dull. It oh, doesn't yeah. have that shiny object aspect to it. No, yeah, my sister, and when we were both in high school together, she's older than me, and she was a senior, and she had so much to study and do, and she would just give me her phone, and she'd be like, take this away from me, and if I come in here asking for it, like, just don't give it to me, like, for like, the next two hours, like, I have so much stuff to do, and, like, it worked. She, like, got her stuff done. It sounds like substances that we need to watch out for as well. Definitely oh, yeah. has that addictive quality. One of the things that I always advocate for when I talk with people about digital literacy is trying to move from a mode of production over consumption. I think social media, in addition to connecting and delivering content, can be divided sometimes into are you consuming or are you producing either social media or interactions engagement. So I thought we could talk a little bit about the videos that you've made in class 
and maybe think through those in terms of this idea of producing material on social media as opposed to consuming it. Do you have thoughts on that? I feel like a very positive way to go about social media is through following more of like the production path than the consumption path. Because I feel like production has so many more positive outlooks to it, like making friends through production, being more creative, like honing on your interests. And like in these videos, like we were producing like positive messages for other people to consume. So I feel like that's a very rewarding feeling to have. Yeah, I feel like social media is just another creative outlet that you can use just like drawing or painting, like making a video. I found it pretty enjoyable. Like at first I, you know, it was another assignment. I didn't really want to do it. But once you get into it and you're editing the videos and you like learn how the platform works, I do think it's pretty interesting and it's uh, a fun thing to engage in. I agree. It was definitely definitely cool exercising the creative muscles. Um, And towards the end, right when I was about to post the videos, obviously we had to post them on YouTube. I felt my brain kind of switch to the, oh, who's going to see this? What does it look like? Um, Yada, yada, yada. And I'm not super up to date. on. I don't produce a lot of things and post them on social media. Um, Like I don't have Instagram right now. So like the most the most posting I do goes to like 10 people on on a Snapchat story or something like that. So it was kind of a different different way to think about it and I almost provided some empathy for the people who are posting all the time. It's like, wow, these people are kind of creatively expressing themselves in front of a lot of people. Um, and that's kind of a nerve wracking thing to do sometimes. Yeah. I think most people, including myself, produce content related to their own life. So it was kind of cool producing videos that would be appealing to people other than yourself. So a larger audience. And so what they would also enjoy or what they would resonate with. Also, I feel like it's like super interesting, like, how we're posting, it's a very broad topic. It's not necessarily like posting about ourselves. It's posting about a topic such as like mental health or like physical health, nutrition, all that stuff. I feel like it's definitely interesting to take a step back. And like when I'm posting these videos, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, do I look good in this? Like that, like that. It's just, is this the message that I'm trying to get across? Like it very is a very disconnect from thinking about myself and more thinking about like, the message that I'm sending through this video because it's not centered around me. I like what I'm hearing. I'm hearing about four different interesting things about producing these videos. So I think we're in a pretty rich vein. I want to, for our listeners, give them a sense of what we're talking about. So our class created videos, short videos. There were PSA videos about wellness topics. There were metaphor videos where we created a video based on a metaphor to represent some strategy or aspect of wellness. And then there was mantra video. I'm going to go ahead and play one of these just for our listeners now that we've described it. And you can kind of get a sense of how they, how they progress. Emotions. They're like water. Sometimes we sit and observe. Sometimes we take what we get. And really, sometimes it's a fight. Other times you just ride them out or you flip out. But really, they're just a gift. So for the listeners, while that uh, narration was playing, Jake had put together on the video scenes with water, scenes with people interacting with water, kind of how water overlaps with our life. Can you say a little bit, Jake, about producing the video? What was your experience like making that? Yeah, producing the video was it was really a treat. Um, One for the in the producing manner, you're obviously forced to think creatively. Um, I was working with original content as far as videos goes so stuff that um, was stored in my phone from I mean as as long as four years ago just 
times of playing on water and fishing and just enjoying the beauty of water. So it helped me to go back, evaluate these these kind of scenes from my life um, and see the through line of water and evaluate what that meant to me um, and how it was like another through line in all of our lives, which is emotion, um, try to draw that parallel. Um, and I don't think I'll forget it whenever I, whenever I see water. I don't think I'll for, for, ever forget the parallel that was drawn there just as another way to create just a familiar connection between two familiar things that you wouldn't often try to connect. Um, so that was an interesting, interesting process for sure. Just a bunch of gratitude for it too, just from all the cool experiences and, and for emotions in general. Claire, you mentioned that one of the nice parts about making these videos was you could separate the personal. I'm going to talk to people about an aspect of wellness and it's not me with my fancy meal on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> So I think there's a whole lot of value in that. Although Jake, you're mentioning that your video actually had aspects of your life. So that part about, is this me coming through in this video or is this a, a abstract topic that I'm talking about? How much of your own personal experience informed the work on these videos for you all? I think it's interesting. I feel like when I'm talking about it, like the, oh, posting about me, I feel like it takes away from the anxiety of like, posting about me on social media now where we're given this blank slate of like we're going to post these positive message about wellness you can take it run with that however you like and like jake he used all his videos and it was like definitely like super it was just super cool just saying like how it is implemented in our everyday lives and i feel like adding yourself to these videos since we're given this blank slate of talking about something being able to add yourself to them but it not being about you is like a super interesting thing because it makes you take that positivity and like implement it in your life as well as put it out for other people to share. So I feel like there's definitely two sides to it where it's like, we're talking about something else, but we can implement ourselves like how Jake did, or like we're just talking about ourselves or we're talking about something else and we don't want to implement ourselves and have that anxiety if someone doesn't like that. But like, like how Jake did, I had a video where it was, I used my friends for it. It was about creating, it was my mantra video. It was create love, create laughs and create life. And I was with my friends and I was like, y'all, I can't find any good videos for this. And they're like, well, let's just do it. And we had so much fun doing it. We were just laughing and we looked back at the videos and we're like, wait, these are like actually super cute. And it helped like, it was like cute for us to look at as friends. And I feel like increased our friendship as well as added this positive message to it. So what were some of the other goals that you had when you were working on these video projects? Well, I tried to make it so it'd be something that I would want to see or something that if I came across, I would find helpful because I think our social media feeds are tailored to what we like and what we would want to consume. So I thought that if I were to see a wellness video like this on my feed, then what would I be searching for? So I tried to carry with those intentions. Yeah, I think the nature of the video lends itself to you being able to like contrast um, a few themes. So like, for example, my mantra video is about failure and how failure is like actually a good teacher and it's necessary in our life, which is kind of a heavy theme and it's not something people really want to like gravitate to when they're thinking about failure. So for the video, like for the images, I use like cat fails and like cats jumping and like always missing the countertop and stuff. So something like funny and lighthearted that really contrasted with the message, but I feel like would make people more receptive to a message that they maybe didn't want to hear. Yeah, I think my goal uh, a little differently was I was super introspective when I was making them. It's like, all right, how can I get across what I'm feeling um, when I think about this matter, especially the mantra videos? Like, all right, these are these are things that I truly value. 
um, that mean a lot to me. And so how can I kind of show what's going on inside my head and inside my heart um, the best I can? So I'm hearing that you really weren't thinking about the audience as much when you were making these. They came across as creative projects that you got involved in. Talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned, Jake, only at the end did you recognize, oh, I'm putting this online. How about knowing that these were going to be consumed by other people? Did that shape your process at all? I tried to not let it as much. And I think there's a certain extent to which you should. Like Arya was saying, it's like, all right, this is something I would want to see. Like that's a filter that your production should run through. But I think similarly to music, you can kind of hear the authenticity in the imperfection. And I, I felt the same way about my videos. It's like, all right, if this might not tailor someone's interests or if my words might not, might not make perfect sense. Um, there's, there's kind of part of, part of me or a little, I don't know, part of my nature and the imperfection there. And so I was just kind of like, so be it, take it or leave it. But yeah, I guess it was more of a two way street when I was producing it. Yeah. I think we're kind of lucky in a sense to actually not have an audience or a well-defined audience right now for this project, because these videos are really just our creative expression and like what we wanted to make. I think it's different if you are a social media content creator, like Arya said, you know, you rely on that for your income and stuff like that. You want to appeal to your audience, you want to grow your audience, but we have this nice situation where we're just making what we want. Yeah, it was definitely like nice to have little to no guidelines so we could really just like be creative and like how Jake said, like take messages that are important to us and like highlight those and like capitalize on them and like send them out into the world so that other people can relate maybe. And I think what y'all just said, that's how social media should be used. I think we've yeah. kind of found ourselves full circle moment here. Yeah. It's like, all right, we figured it out. You should have that freedom to create and not thinking, but also caring about other people. Yeah, definitely. And just definitely, like, obviously the message of, like, be kind and, like, do unto others as you would do unto you. So, like, I feel like that's, I mean, obviously, just, like, keep that in mind when you're, like, posting on social media and stuff and, like, creating these videos, which I feel like was nice for us because they were kind videos. For me personally, it was a little bit different because I think I'm still overcoming the fear of judgment a little bit. And I was aware that our classmates would watch it. So I know our generation is most critical about these kind of things when they see it as superficial or whatever. So I was trying that as much as it'd be something that I'd want to see. It's also something that people my age would feel um, relevant. And Arya, what is the after effect of that now that you've made them and posted them? How do you feel about them? I think it's actually kind of sweet because everyone posted something that's a little bit personal to them or something that I'm guessing that they feel is necessary in their life, like the message at least. So I thought it was kind of cool how in this little community we posted videos that are something that we all created. So kind of fruits of labor. That was cute. Yeah, I feel like not necessarily that our class is like best of friends now, but like I feel like in a classroom where we're learning, we might not necessarily get as close to like our peers as we'd want to. And I feel like through this assignment, we were able to just like sprinkle a little bit of our lives into it and like help us get to know our classmates better and like bring our community closer together, which was super fun and cute. Well, I really like what I'm hearing because as Jake said, I think we've come full circle. We're talking about authenticity, connecting with people and being creative. I feel like if people are using social media in that way, it's probably in uh, a positive overall, a good takeaway. And so for our listeners, if you're interested in these videos, um, they will be on our class website. You could come check them out. 
if our authors uh, decide to include them or keep them there, they're also on YouTube, but of course they have the ability to delete them at any time. <laughs> Ideally, I think these are projects that drive your own thinking about these topics and help you experience what, what it is that is being taught in some ways. Uh, and if they help others at some level, then that would be a, a bonus as well. Well, are there any other points we should make about social media before we wrap up? Definitely just like take it as you will individually. It's definitely just like social media can be the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world, depending on how you navigate it and you decide to think about it. Because I feel like it's all about your mindset and just it's definitely a very individual thing. So keep in mind like all of the aspects of it and like the temporality of it, like we live on a floating rock. Like that mindset I feel like is good to keep. Like nothing really matters that much and just like be kind. Yeah, I think just using social media and don't let it use you yeah. is, a, is a good way to think about that. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation. It's been um, enlightening to me because we've been talking about projects that we've developed in our class. So I really appreciate that. And I'm so grateful for our guests. So Jake, Elise, Claire, and Aria. And I hope our listeners will tune in again for another episode of Words of Wellness.